This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're telling the story of Air France Flight 358. Thanks for listening. Mama. Hi, Casey. Hi, Ma. <clears throat> Hi, Mama. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. So uh, to our darling friends out there, um, Mariah is out of town with a family emergency. Uh, she'll um, be back. Absolutely promise she'll be back and she'll be back soon. She sends all of her love. And if you can send her your love and prayers, of course, that's appreciated. Uh, but this we week, love you, Mariah. We love you, Mariah. My mom, yes. uh, you you talk about Mariah like she's one of your like like she's your daughter-in-law. Yes, <laughs> or your I love daughter. Her. Yeah, but so this week we have my mom. Uh, should everyone just call you mom, or would you like to introduce yourself more formally, or? <laughs> I, I believe you refer to me as my sweet mama you are my sweet mama so this is my sweet mama <laughs> and you will not learn her name until you earn it <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so yeah. funny. um my mom like mariah uh is coming into this cold and doesn't have a background in aviation but you have had the pleasure of getting to fly quite a bit and you know some stuff about planes and a little bit. A little bit. I've yeah. learned a lot through the podcast. Aw, thank you, Mama. But <laughs> uh, you're going to like this one, I think, from today, because uh, it combines a few of the things that you like. So today we're telling the story of Air France Flight 358. You love Air France. <laughs> I love Air France. You know it. <laughs> uh, they're probably your favorite airline, I would, right? I mean, that would be fair to say. I think so. Yeah. Think. They're luxe. And and you you're a francophile like you're well, a bit of a francophile. It's true. Yeah, yeah. And why yeah. not? But exactly, uh, you undoubtedly. I know, like you were saying that I always say, like, do you remember this flight or that flight? Or you know, because they were in your lifetime. I'm pretty sure you're going to remember this one because it was in 2005. So do you do you remember oh, 2005? Do you remember 2005, Mom? I do remember 2005, but I'm not sure I'll remember. No, that's okay. Of course, that's fine. But I, I actually think that it's going to start to ring bells because um, it was actually a flight headed from Charles de Gaulle, so from Paris to Toronto. So mm -hmm. this might start to ring some bells. Maybe not. And that's okay. Um, but uh, we do both remember 2005 pretty well. So we're off to a good start. We are. Uh, yeah. Uh, the plane that 
uh, took this flight is an Airbus 340. So a big plane, you know, a, a transatlantic flight. Uh, the mm -hmm. configuration is 242 in main cabin. So, you know, very luxe, obviously. It's still, air, you know, it's Air France. Uh, I uh, think that I imagine it was very comfortable. You've flown Air France from Toronto to and from Toronto to Paris, haven't you? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I have. I, I love those blue uniforms. I know it's a good look. It's a really, they're, they're, uh, uh, the focus they put on aesthetics definitely pays off. Hey, what's not to like about France? What's not to like about France? So <laughs> the, you can help me. Your French is, uh, infinitely better. So see, Mariah speaks French and my mom speaks French and both of them say they don't speak French, but your French is much better than mine. So how would you say, uh, the captain's name is Alain, like Alan, I think. Alain. Mm -hmm. and, Alain. And, yeah, that. Alain. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, first officer is Frederick. I'm just going to say. So how would you say Frederick in French? I'm not sure. Frederick. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, the, the plane is packed. So going from Paris to uh, YYZ, to Pearson in Toronto, uh, mm -hmm. packed to the rafters. There's 309 mm -hmm. people on board. Wow. Uh, yeah, 297 passengers. Uh, there's, this is, you know, this isn't an old school plane. It, so there's two pilots in the cockpit and the plane is so packed that there's actually a non-rev in the jump seat, but not <laughs> like, so uh, at least when I worked there, Delta's policy was that only pilots could jump seat in the cockpit period and only flight attendants could uh jump seat in the uh cabin jump seats right so mm -hmm. if there wasn't a seat an empty passenger seat you couldn't fly on it if you are not somebody who works in that section of the plane if that makes sense um but on air france in 2005 apparently the son of an airline employee was allowed to ride in the cockpit in the jump seat wow yeah. So we got our boy Miles. Miles. His name is Miles. It's like Miles or whatever, but Miles <laughs> is his name. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he's just a, you know, nice young lad, son of a employee. So, Miles. so yeah, Miles. Yeah. So there, oh, it's really going to get the treatment with my accent, isn't it? Miles. But anyway, so Miles is sitting there in the uh, jump seat and the plane gets ready to take off. And it, takes off from Paris. So no real problems headed toward Toronto. It's like an eight hour flight, uh, comfy, weather's fine, no problems. Uh, as they're getting closer to Toronto, uh, the weather is getting worse in Toronto. So it's uh, the middle of summer, um, some of the hottest weather, right, all year in Toronto, mm -hmm. and uh, especially in the Great Lakes region. I know they don't get the same Great Lakes weather in Toronto that we get south of Lake Ontario, but you do get really incredible thunderstorms coming off the lake. So Toronto's mm -hmm. having uh, increasingly severe thunderstorms. Mm -mm. Right, not good. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, they're like a couple hours out still and they get reports, you know, like weather in Toronto is deteriorating, but it's a big plane, right? Big planes handle severe weather all the time. Like planes travel through thunderstorms. It's not ideal. It's not comfortable. 
but it's pretty normal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, their alternate is Ottawa, which you, my dear sweet mommy, knows is uh, not that far, but not that close to Toronto. Mm-hmm. So uh, airports like Syracuse, Buffalo, Rochester would all be significantly closer, I think, but much more inconvenient because they're not in the country you're supposed to be going to. Mm -hmm. So uh, as they're getting closer, you know, they like check their alternates. They have to monitor their fuel, make sure that, you know, that they have enough fuel to go to Ottawa if they need to. The big fat friggin' hassle to divert. It's a big hassle, right? And the pilots will do it if they have to, of course, because safety comes first. But it's in the back of their mind, just like it's in the back of everyone else's mind, that it's a big hassle, right? So as they're getting closer, uh, they are talking about what they're going to do. The reports that they're getting are that they're going to be able to land. The weather is bad, but it's within the parameters of their aircraft. Uh, But it's not within the parameters of a lot of other aircraft. At Toronto, they literally cancel hundreds of flights, hundreds of flights. When I was reading about this, they did divert a bunch of planes to Syracuse, Rochester and Buffalo. And I I know I wish I could have asked somebody because I know I worked with people who were probably working that day. And that must have just been like a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And you wouldn't be able to let anybody off the plane because people went through customs to go to Canada and not to the U.S. And there's no customs in Buffalo and like Syracuse. It just would be a nightmare. So I know. And they don't like to do that because, again, it's a big fat hassle. Right. Uh, So they've canceled a lot of departures. They've canceled a lot of landings. They've diverted planes all over the place. Right. Uh, They're everybody who works at Toronto is having a bad day and everybody who works at the surrounding airports is having a bad day too, right? Plus it's a, so, and the thunderstorm is so severe and so close to the airport, right? It's hovering right over the airport. That lightning is striking uh, so, so close to the actual tarmac that they have to do uh, a hold on any ramp guys even walking out onto the runway. Right. Uh-huh. So, right. Because they can get struck by lightning. It's a big flat plane. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it's not safe for them. So they have uh, they tell the uh, ramp guys they are not allowed to go out there at all. They have to stay inside, which is. I, I again, a big hassle, but absolutely necessary. It really is not OK for any ramp worker to get struck by lightning uh, to collect your baggage. You know, that's not. Well, fair. Of course not. Right. Of course not. So, but even with all of this, right, even with all the flights getting diverted, even with everything getting canceled, even with all of this and that, right, uh, they're still a big, huge plane, right? So they head toward Toronto. They don't know everything that's going on. They just know that the weather is not great, right? So as they approach Toronto, uh, air traffic control puts them in a holding pattern, right? Tells them to circle over, you know, not quite at the airport, not directly over the airport, but holding pattern, uh, you know, just a, a little ways from the airport itself, right? Toronto is 75 miles from one end to the other. So it's a huge land space that we're talking point. about. That's a good point. Toronto is one of like the biggest cities in North America by land, right? Like by I would city. think so. I, I yeah. haven't done, you know, I don't know, I don't know for sure how it compares to other ones, but I think that's 
huge 75 miles. Oh, it's it's crazy. I mean, New York is like 10 miles square, <laughs> but <laughs> and much denser, though. Yeah, with 30 million people. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the um, the uh, so they're in this uh, holding pattern, right? Um, not far from the airport, but not super close to it. And the weather where they're in the holding pattern isn't great, right? It is thunderstorming. There is lightning visible. It's not ideal. But again, it's a big aircraft. They're able to handle that uh, weather more comfortably. The pilots, again, are aware of their, they're paying attention to their fuel usage. They're paying attention to um, how far they are from Ottawa, if they do have to divert. They make the announcement to the passengers, hey, you know, air traffic control says that we're, we have to enter a holding pattern. So we're going to be delayed landing in Toronto. Well, uh, they expect it. Air traffic control tells them it's going to be short, but not that short, like south of an hour, but close to an hour. The Mm -hmm. weather's getting worse, but it's not that severe. It's okay. Uh, They enter the holding pattern. And after only a few minutes in the holding pattern, air traffic control actually calls them back and says like, hey, you're actually good. Go ahead and land. Go for it. And they're like, oh, dope. Okay. So they make the announcement, hey, we're not going to be nearly as delayed as we thought. We're going to be, you know, we're cleared for um, our initial approach into uh, Toronto. Uh, You know, like, get ready for landing, right? So everybody's, you know, happy, excited. Uh, The weather is bad. So I'm sure anybody who's really a nervous flyer is probably not feeling awesome. But uh, Mm. I mean, anybody who flies a lot knows that sometimes you land in bad weather, right? It's, It's planes fly outside where the weather is. So uh, they are preparing for landing. They line up with the runway. They're, uh, they're, everything's down. So they have spoilers, gear, flaps, everything, right? They're reducing their speed. Um, they tell everybody to expect to be on the ground soon. Uh, the, the weather, as they're getting closer, is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. They, uh, the data that they have um, is for some reason, the data they have about wind is mostly coming from their aircraft, right? They're not getting data from the airport about uh, like how the winds and, you know, what direction they're coming from. They're getting some information, um, but a plane lands in front of them, right? A plane that was ahead of them in line lands successfully. Okay. Uh, and then another plane lands in front of them successfully and they're the next one up, right? Uh, so we've just had two planes land uh, in this bad weather and, uh, the pilots flying those planes. So pilots after every landing will let air traffic control know how the landing was. Basically they'll say, you know, the, uh, the condition of the runway is good. The condition of the runway is wet, slick, whatever. Uh, they, the pilots from the two planes that landed right before our air France plane, uh, reported to air traffic control that there were around 20 mile an hour gusts of wind, which isn't, again, not great, but it's okay. That's like within the bounds for a big aircraft like this. And they said that the, they said that the braking action on the runway was poor. So because the runway is so, so, so slick, uh, their brakes didn't slow the plane down nearly as much as they expected. 
there's another little problem, and it's that there are a lot of runways. Pearson's a huge airport, right? And there are a lot of runways, but not today. Today, there is one runway, and it's the shortest runway. Uh, it's it's a runway that you can see, you know, the, the 401. So one of the major highways that runs through there runs parallel to this runway. So if you look out your window and you see planes landing parallel to you, that's the runway they're landing on. It is the shortest runway, which again, not ideal in a thunderstorm when the runway is soaking wet, right? But whatever, it's still, it's still long enough, right? So things aren't awesome, but things aren't nearly bad enough to turn around, right? So they line up as they're getting closer the turbulence suddenly gets way worse. The plane is shaking like crazy. Lightning is crashing all around them. The weather as they get closer suddenly becomes so, so, so much more intense. As the plane is shaking, the physical act of flying the plane obviously becomes much more difficult, right? You mm -hmm. can't, you, you think about the pilots, they have to see all of their instruments. The, the data they're getting from their instruments is only as useful if it gets into their brain. And if mm -hmm. it's shaking violently, you can't really see your instruments anymore. They're trying to obviously keep the plane lined up and control their speed, which are the most basic things, right? Make sure that they're descending at the right rate. As they get closer and closer, the plane is just shaking, 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 shaking. The winds are way, way, way worse than they expected. They've been reported 20 miles uh, an hour. They're more like 35, which is at the extreme end or over, depending on the conditions. And in these conditions was actually over what was safe to land in. But they didn't know that, right? They were expecting 20 mile per hour uh, winds. They got something closer to 35. So as the plane is getting whipped around, shaking, 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 they come into view of the runway and they're not slowing down enough. The wind is working against them and they're not slowing down enough. So as they actually start to come directly over the runway, instead of touching down, they float, meaning they fly just a couple feet off the runway, but their wheels aren't actually touching down. And there's mm -hmm. a big difference between having your wheels on the ground and not. And as they're floating down the runway, they're using up more and more of their short runway, not slowing down. Mm -hmm. The pilots finally force the plane down, crash down onto the runway, pull everything. They, they pull the brakes. They, they try desperately to slow the plane down. All of the people in the cabin were terrified, right? The plane's whipping around. Oh, yeah. As soon as Oh, so scary. As soon as the wheels touch down on the floor, on the ground, as soon as the wheels touch down on the tarmac, the everybody in the cabin starts to clap and cheer because they are excited, right? Relief. We did it. We're, we're safe. We're home. But the plane doesn't slow down. The plane continues to careen down the runway at Jesus. over 100 miles an hour. Roo, 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 runs down. All of a sudden, the plane starts to shake violently, extremely, extremely violently as they veer off the runway. So they're uh. on the grass. The plane is shaking, 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 shaking. Then crash. The plane dips and falls into a ravine that exists between the highway and the runway. Oh as, the, as the plane crashes into it, suddenly on the right side of the plane, this orange glow of fire lights up as the engine on the right side of the plane starts to burn. 
instant total panic. Mm-hmm. A flight attendant says over the intercom, uh, like we're we've stopped, please be calm, which I God bless her, right? But nobody is staying calm. As soon as people see the fire and can start to smell the jet fuel, absolute total panic in the cabin. The plane is completely full. The captain, uh, when the plane crashed to a stop, the uh, his chair actually uh, like lifted up off the ground and crashed forward. So the captain is injured uh, and unconscious on the ground in the cockpit. So he's not there to order an evacuation. But because the Air France uh, flight attendants see fire, they order the evacuation themselves. There are eight doors on this aircraft, on an uh, A340. But in the... people. Right, right. But in the panic, not all of the doors get opened for two reasons. One, there's fire on the right side of the aircraft, right? Mm -hmm. And two, uh, people are, instead of, again, the thing people do, instead of running to your nearest exit, they run toward the front of the plane because it's where they boarded, right? So people are in total, total, total panic. There's a uh, one of the doors on the left side of the plane. They had opened the door, but the slide didn't deploy. This is a huge aircraft. We've talked before about how Airbus is much taller than Boeing. This mm-hmm. door is 15 feet off the ground, 15 feet off the ground. There's a man, the man who opened the door is standing at the door because he doesn't want to just jump down 15 feet. People are screaming at him to jump, to just to go, go, go. And finally, like push him or he jumps or whatever happens, but people start to jump down 15 feet out of the plane, at least on the side that's not on fire. Uh, A flight attendant is standing in front of a door that's on the right side of the plane. And again, everybody's screaming at her to open the door. And she knows that the fire is right there, but the fire is in the wing and you only have a certain amount of time before that fire does spread into the cabin. The obvious danger is not just the fire, but also the smoke. That smoke, if she opens that door, that smoke is going to pour into the plane. She just used her best judgment, opened the door, and people started to run past the fire through the smoke down the slide and just ran. So people just, the plane shatters or whatever breaks apart they open whatever doors are going to get opened and people just run 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 off the plane in a cataclysmic thunderstorm right as soon as they get out and just scramble up the ravine if they can Mm -hmm. like if they're physically able so scrambling up the ravine means that some people are going to scramble up the ravine on the side of the highway right some people scrambled up and people are driving by. This was at like 4.30 in the afternoon. This is during like heavy in traffic. Toronto. Can you, in Toronto, right? On the 401. Like this is heavy, yeah. heavy traffic. Yeah, I people, can picture it. Oh my gosh. People scramble up on that side and people pull over, right? People pull over. They see what's going on. And passengers just like get into people's cars And people, like random passersby, drive them to the hospital, to the airport, home in some cases. They just drive people. I mean, people are are terrified and in shock, right? And so people just pull over, pick them up, and drive them to the hospital. 
On the oh. other side, if you scramble up the ravine and you're on the side with the airport, emergency crews are there, right? So they're there to put out the fire and to help people and, and to, you know, uh, start the rescue effort. So everybody is just scattered, totally scattered. As soon as people started getting into cars and driving away, we do not have any concept of how many people have survived or not survived. Right. So at the airport, it's chaos total chaos, right? People don't know. People are there to pick up their family members, their loved ones, and they don't know if their family member is there. The airline, I cannot imagine this day at work. I know it's a weird thing to connect to when you know, you know, yeah, I mean, it's such a horrible, horrible, horrible accident. Mm -hmm. But like, I just cannot imagine having like there were like 400 cancellations at Pearson that day. I cannot imagine going through all of that. And then a plane crashes and you cannot account for everyone. You just cannot do it. It is unfathomable to me how scary it would be for the passengers, for the families, and just the worst day of life ever for those people working in the airport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because people are always wanting answers and you don't have them, but they are still going to keep asking. Right. They don't exist. And you want to answer them. You want those answers, too. Right. Like everybody wants to. So it took hours and hours and hours of sitting at the airport. They accounted for everyone that who they could account for. They let people start to go home with their families. They brought people to the hospital, whatever. It took days to account for every single passenger. But every single person lived. Oh, I'm so glad. I know. Every single solitary person scrambled. It was okay. Everybody, the the captain was okay. Every single person, every single solitary person scrambled or was carried off that plane, up the ravine, and to the rest of their lives because they all lived. Oh, gosh. I love those Canadians that were in the rush hour traffic. I know that just took their random people and did the right thing. I know. Oh my gosh. That's a great story. I know. We probably came over and met them all. I didn't even think to check. I hope she did. (laughs) She probably did something to recognize the, um, right. The, the, (laughs) she decorated the gate agents right yeah hopefully hopefully no one thinks of the gate agents but oh my god so when you said 400 cancellations first i was just thinking like 400 people you mean 400 planes yes 400 flights 400 flights were canceled that day yes pearson has so 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 many flights it's an incredibly i assume it's the busiest plane or the I assume it's the busiest airport in Canada. They have so, so, so many flights and the weather was really, really severe. And oh my gosh. And there were, again, just weather, weather. Oh, there were 309 people on board. There were only 12 serious injuries. Um, And the most of the serious injuries, uh, I didn't read anything about anybody being burned. There were a few people who were treated for uh, smoke inhalation, but they Mm -hmm. were okay. Mm -hmm. Um, The captain was injured, um, but he was one of the serious injuries, but he 
was ultimately okay. Um, people, the, the primary injuries were actually not, most of the injuries were not from the impact, but from the evacuation, from like jumping 15 feet out of yeah. the plane or from, yeah. you know, slide injuries aren't that uncommon. Unfortunately, a lot of people, I mean, you have to just get on the slide, slide and run. That is what you have to do. But it, I mean, you're barefoot or in heels or flip-flops or whatever you're, you know, whatever you've got on your feet and it's raining torrentially, right? Mm -hmm. And so people do twist their ankles and things like that. And your body mm -hmm. doesn't even tell you to slow down, right? Your body is just like, yeah, forget it. Twisted ankle, don't care. And um, mm -hmm. so, but only 12 injuries that were considered serious. And uh, maybe I think it was another like 25 minor injuries. And then everybody else was was physically unscathed, like physically really okay, which is amazing. That is amazing. That's amazing. And to, I do remember that a little bit that they were in a ditch, mm, um, mm -hmm. and that they, I remember that a little bit. As soon as yeah. you that that they went right off the into the grass and then into the um, ravine. Right. My gosh. I know. No. The um from all over the world. People from all over the world, obviously a lot of uh, Americans, Canadians and French folks, but you know, a a variety of people. Air France is such a Toronto is obviously a very diverse city mm -hmm. and uh Air France is one of the airlines with the most uh connections globally. Like they fly they're not the most, I think Air Turkish flies to the most countries of any airline, but Air France is up there um, with like, you know, on an Air France flight. Yeah, there could just be somebody from almost any country, right? They're a major world airline. Um, the kind of like what happened question in this case is obviously kind of straightforward, right? Like the weather uh, was horrendous, uh, but planes land in horrendous weather all the time. Every day on planet Earth, planes land in terrible weather, right? Mm -hmm. um, the issues in this case, that my understanding is that one of the major pieces that went wrong here, uh, that was that lightning actually struck and destroyed the towers at Pearson that measure wind right mm -hmm. so the the, yeah. the way that's that the air yeah that's right. what it sounded like that's so like from what you were saying yeah that they only they had limited information on how fast they were how fast the wind was they thought thought it was 20 it was actually 35 that, that's a big difference uh, it's a huge difference and the um the data that they get from the aircraft. So if you think about again, like how do planes know where they are? The data that a plane gets on wind comes from a little sensor on like the nose of the plane and it's live. It's just wherever the nose of the plane is at that moment, that's what wind it's measuring, right? Mm -hmm. So there, you don't have any, it's like being blind, right? You can't see ahead at all. And in a plane, obviously you're going so fast that you not being able to see ahead is incredibly dangerous. 
And then they did, again, they floated, they were on a short runway. They floated along half of the runway. And so they, they burned through half of the runway. And then for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because of the, again, just getting just shaken so badly, just because you're, you're just in like a little, I don't know, the picture I get in my mind is like, uh, like shaking up like a bottle of pop or something, right? You're just getting shaken in this little tube. Um, but they didn't actually deploy the reverse thrusters until like a, like they had a quarter of the runway left. They didn't hit the reverse thrusters. They hit the brakes and they did that. They had flaps. They had uh, like spoilers. They had all these different things that were intended to slow the aircraft down. Um, but they burned so, through so much of the runway and then by the time they deployed the reverse thrusters, they had burned up so much runway um, that, yeah, uh, there wasn't nearly as much fuel on board as there obviously could have been because they were at the end of their flight, which is mm-hmm. good. That's the good. plane was totally destroyed. The plane burned up completely. You can see pictures of it. It looks, um, I don't know, it looks, I'm trying to like... Uh, you can see that it's a plane, but it was totally destroyed. And um, so they did not fix that plane and return it to service like they do in a lot of these, right? Because planes are very costly. Yeah. Um, I have a question. The, yeah. So the reverse thrusters, is that something that you only deploy when you've made contact with the runway? Is that why they didn't use the reverse cut? Co- are they something that doesn't work unless you have, you know, landed per se? I don't know the answer to that. My understanding is that I, I think you probably, I don't know, a pilot can definitely answer that or an engineer or people who just know more about this. Um, I, it's, it's for the purpose of stopping on the runway. I imagine it's probably possible to deploy them before you touch down. But if you're using reverse thrust, you have no forward thrust, right? So you have no more. You would be any forward momentum would just be gliding. And so I don't know. I think they function, right? It's not like the brakes, right? Brakes, literally, like the brakes on the wheels only work if you're touched down, right? But mm-hmm. my guess, I've never heard of anybody, I, I don't think in any of the stories we've told that anyone has deployed the reverse thrusters before touchdown. It seems like everybody always waits. So maybe they're not effective before touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe there's just not a reason to deploy them before touchdown because you need the engines, right? You need the forward mo- momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you asking because like that kind of like, why didn't he, well, why, uh, but- as they were floating? Yeah, well, you said they didn't deploy them, and I thought, you know, are you saying that they should have or were supposed to or not? Uh, and my question is, yeah. did they, you know how they do one of those, um, I forget what you call it, fly around or something, like when you yeah, can't land? Go around. I wonder if, if they thought that was a possibility and then, uh, you know, just said, no, we're going to try to just put this plane down. I think that's actually, I think my understanding leads me to think that that's actually like a wise thought because I think that uh, if you're floating, I mean, yeah, if you float over half the runway and the runway's short and the runway's wet, it you probably should go around, right? Yes. 
And so I don't know if, and there is a touch and go, right, is where you actually touch down, but you're not going to stop in time and you have too much speed. So you do take off again. I don't know. The thing is with this particular flight is that the pilots, at least the research I saw, the pilots were never allowed to talk about any of this to the media. Um, so Air France didn't didn't allow them to talk, which it was unique to this flight. It's not something that Air France does every time. But in this mm -hmm. case, there was a lot of litigation with this case. Um, mm -hmm. And so Air France didn't allow them to talk. So I don't know if we get the same amount of like data about what the pilots were thinking um, or why they didn't go around, right? When they saw they were floating. And again, maybe the weather. Well, I, I think, I, again, I think, and I don't know enough about it to be sure. I think that the wind, the, the conditions being so, so, so much worse than what they were expecting, I think could throw somebody's judgment off for literal seconds enough mm -hmm. for something like this to happen, right? The, the gusts of wind were at or beyond the parameters that are even potentially safe for this plane, right? Mm -hmm. And the runway was super slick. They anticipated that, but the winds being so, so, so much worse, causing their plane to not behave the way they expected it to. I mean, again, these are split second decisions and uh, yeah that's I guess I that's all I know enough to even guess at mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. that's interesting that there isn't a public investigation oh um, yeah so the Canadian the TSB the Canadian Transportation Safety Board did an investigation and you can read that I'm just saying that the the state of the of mine for the pilots is i guess what i understood you to be asking oh i see um yeah usually that's part of the public station isn't it mom usually. i'm not gonna read the whole tsb report <laughs> no 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 i know you're not I'm, I'm teasing you but yeah and i'm teasing all of our listeners who totally do read the whole thing and who are our absolute pride and joy that you are a person, <laughs> seriously, a person who would read the whole actual report and then also listen to us is like a person that I need to appreciate and love. So that's like that's person yeah. just the, the research and getting to the bottom of things. Right, right. Tim, I think, is that person. Our yeah, buddy Tim yeah. from FS Mania. Always, always be plugging other people's content. That's but good. yeah, good. Tim. Tim will read the whole report and then still listen to us for some reason. So, yeah. But, yeah. No, I, I, um, I like this story when this happened. So this would have, obviously, like, I remember when this happened. I don't remember it that clearly exactly when it happened, right? Like, at the time, I didn't care nearly as much about any of this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't, if you're not into aviation, plane crashes feel more like a thing that just happens, right? Like, plane crashes feel, or at least for me, plane crashes felt less shocking when I didn't know as much about aviation. It just seemed like one of the things that can happen. And now I realize how much of an aberration it really is. Mm -hmm. um, but this 
crash, I remember, was like one of the very, very first crashes I ever um, went out of my way to learn more about while I was working overnights. So I was like, oh, plane crashes. Let's see what that's all about. So plus everybody lived. So it's a feel good story in the end. Yes. Wonderful story. That's amazing. That's really amazing that um, there was a lot to get through. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a shock for the people when they landed, they cheer, and then I know. keep going right into the ditch, and then they see fire. And, oh my gosh. They're, I can just see like the, their adrenaline levels must have been so high. Right. Was, like, get out of my way, open that door, let me out. I don't care. I'm going to go right through the smoke and the fire. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I didn't want to, uh, I guess, spoil it. So I didn't talk as much about passenger stories, like things passengers have said about it. But there were, uh, it's a full flight, right? So that means that large families are going to be separated, almost certainly, right? And there was a father who was traveling with, I think, his uh, two, two of his kids. And uh, they were separate. And his daughter was on the window seat on the right side of the plane. So on the side of the plane where they could see like the orange glow of the flames. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for him, like him talking about it, he just said, you know, like I just saw his first instinct when they landed was to look at his daughter who was separate from them. And he just saw her like look at the fire and then like, turn around and look at him terrified oh. right and ah uh, ah uh, so scary so yeah. scary yeah but yeah it's hard to imagine but i um yeah that's air france 358 but, wow great story great story yeah. yeah i think you tell a great story oh and thank you mama I think you tell a great fact. Oh, I have a fact. Oh, my my lucky day. <laughs> <laughs> it's my fact. Nar- narwhals are real. story <laughs> you have to edit it out <laughs> no do i okay we'll tell we'll tell it we'll tell it we'll anonymous see. we'll tell an anonymous version so do you know do you, do you know people mom who believe narwhals are not real <laughs> one time might have been it might have been 2005 <laughs> a lot was going on that year a lot was going on that year and some yeah. people found out for the first time. <laughs> I thought it was something like a jackalope. Right. And, right. I, and I was not going to be taken. No, for a fool. That's a right. Unicorn whale. No way. Oh my God. It is crazy. It is. It is fascinating. It's, and fascinating. A, it's a whale. It's the whale 
the unicorn of the sea. <laughs> it looks fake. Oh, like, oh real. Of course, it looks it looks photoshopped, but it's it real. It does. <laughs> I think unicorns are a more believable animal than a narwhal, really, right? Because why on earth would a whale have a unicorn horn? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll I'm, I'm gonna add a fact to your fact the, okay there was a narwhal horn in the British crown jewels for a long time and it like believed to be a unicorn horn someone had brought a narwhal horn and they said it was a unicorn horn so there was like a air quotes unicorn horn as part of the crown jewels for a long time but it was actually a narwhal horn yeah that uh, when i was reading <laughs> in my research <laughs> your research to find out narwhals are real um that was quite common actually um in royalty of old oh there you go it, yeah so yeah interesting again it is more believable horses are real and rhinos are real so it's believable <laughs> that a horse could just have a horn but <laughs> but it makes no sense for like a beluga whale to have a horn taped to his head. <laughs> it's yeah. actually extends from its upper lip. Really? That... <laughs> yes. Keep it in facts, mom. But nobody nobody really knows what it's for. It's um and they're very hard to study because they live so deeply in the sea and they're they are they have shy. They do. <laughs> They do have shy. They have shy. That's that's what I did read about them. Yeah. They don't want human attention. They want to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll leave the editing to you, my love. Oh, this is all staying in, my sweet mama. (laughs) I love you so much. I love you so much. Thank you so, so much for doing this. Um, Do you want to help us? plug all our stuff do you know what our email address is uh podcast at gmail the podcast at gmail.com exactly the podcast at gmail.com and people can find us on instagram and tiktok and you can call me on my cell phone anytime mama so you know how to get a hold of us (laughs) i surely yeah thank you so so much for doing this um to our darling friends uh mariah is going to be back uh don't know exactly exactly when but as soon as possible so um be sure to tell my mom that you love her and oh do you want to pick a country mama for people to send us uh letters saying that they love you no have you done france yet we haven't done France makes so much sense, mom. You're a genius. <laughs> I wasn't going to, I actually, I didn't even cross my mind. Truly did not cross my mind. So yeah, France. So if you are from France and you want to uh, send us a picture of your backyard, which can also just mean any attractive photo from your home or area, um, be which sure to include. All, hmm? Which is all of France. Oh, it is all of France. France is beautiful. Do you like Nice or Paris better, mama? Oh boy. I guess I like Paris better, but I love Nice. I know. Nice yeah. is great. Nice is, is French Barcelona <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. <laughs> yes, but, yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so so much for doing this. Uh thank you guys for uh enjoying uh what we do. 
and hope you enjoyed this one. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Love you all. Love you, Mama. Love you, Shashi. All right, bye. <laughs> Edit that out. Nope. Stand in. <laughs> Love you, sweetie. Bye-bye. Love you, Mom. Bye. Bye. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Um, Mariah is going to be back as soon as she can. Uh, She sends her love to all of you. And I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to this episode with me and my wonderful mother. Uh, If you notice anything we got wrong or if you want to get in touch with us for any reason, uh, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok. We love you and uh, can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening.